From the Anaheim Convention Center, you're listening to the D23 Expo edition of the Diz Unplugged. This is David Parkett, Senior Correspondent for the Diz Unplugged. And I am here with Wayne Toygo and Tom Bell, and we are covering the D23 Expo this weekend here in Anaheim. Hey guys. Greetings, Dave. Hello, hey, Tom. So you guys having a good time? Amazing. This, awesome. is, this is an amazing event again. Uh, it is, again, almost overwhelming. Yeah, that's, that's the word, overwhelming. I mean, there is so much to do here in the convention center, in, on the floor, in the venues. There's just a lot going on. And I feel like I've just seen a sampling of it, too. Oh, yeah. But this is the beginning of day number three. I guarantee I have not, I have missed easily a third of just what's here. Forget what's been available. Yeah. But there's still a lot to cover. And I really have, I've yet to go into the collector's forum of the, of the expo floor, too. Exactly. So we thought we would talk a little bit about what we've been experiencing here at the D23 Expo. We've been trying to, to break up and cover the big events, cover a lot of the parks and resorts and the Imagineering uh, sessions, and uh, we thought we'd give you a, a little bit of a recap. What do you think? Do you just want to run through day by day kind of what our thoughts were? Sure. Sure, we can do that. Sure. So it started on Friday, August 19th. And the first event that I went to was the Disney Legends ceremony. I actually picked up one of the presentations just before that. They had a small presentation on the history of the Disneyland Hotel. Uh, many of the viewers and listeners know that I've been doing a number of stories on the hotel. And this was actually written by, or the presentation was by one of the authors of one of the reference books that I've been using for those stories. So he got up and talked a little bit more in detail about some of the additional media that he has found. And the interesting thing, this is just an example of some of the announcements that are coming out of the Expo. Uh, there's going to be another book by this uh, this gentleman um, on the hotel and some more of its history. So. When, I, when I talked to Stephen Clark a few weeks ago, he, he was telling me that, Stephen Clark, the head of D23, he was telling me that the Rather family gave this author full access to everything they had. And, and for those that don't know, the Rather family are the ones that founded the Disneyland Hotel, and uh, they were just inducted as Disney legends this, this Friday. Indeed. So. <laughs> So, moving on to the Disney Legends ceremony, uh, what did y'all think of it? For me, I think this was the highlight event so far. This yeah, this was this was a class. This was number one. It was for me too. And uh, we put up a blog up on disunplug.com on the Disney Legends ceremony. This started off the expo with a bang. We'll talk a little bit about who was inducted and what made the event so special, but. This was the highlight, and the title of the blog, I called it the emotional heart of the D23 Expo. Completely agree. There were 12 people that were inducted. They started off with the contemporary voice actors for all of the Disney princesses. You had Belle, Ariel, Mulan, Jasmine, Tiana, 
Am I missing anyone? Those, those were the big ones. Those were the voices. And so they had the voice actors um, for all those classic Disney princesses. And the, the, the people that got up to speak to accept their award were really heartfelt. Paige O'Hara, who voiced Belle in Beauty and the Beast, expressed a little bit about um, some of the personal struggles that she's gone through, losing her mother this past year and how the Disney fans have helped her get through that. Jody Benson, who we all know on the Diz Unplugged, um, the voice of Ariel, she got up there and you could tell she was just choking back tears as soon as she started to accept her award. What do you guys think? This this was a great chance to not only see these folks, but hear them speak in their own words. You know, it was pre presented kind of like an award ceremony, but it really wasn't like the Oscars or the Emmys. This, as you said, this was much more heartfelt. This was a lot more personal, and that's what made this event special. Well, and I think it really means something to them. I mean, it's not just a trophy that's going to go on their mantle. It means something to them. Because they're recognized by the Disney family as, as, as important. It's funny because you say that it means something to, to them. In Jody Benson's acceptance speech, that's exactly what she said. This matters to me. Yeah. This is important. This matters to me. One of the things that really made this stand out for me is not only did those voice actresses get up and accept their award, but many of them then sung. So you had Jody Benson singing from The Little Mermaid. You had Leah Sananga singing from Mulan. You had Paige O'Hara singing a medley of songs from Beauty and the Beast. And then Anika Noni Rose singing Almost There from Princess, Princess and the Frog. Thank you. Um, and these are, these are world-class singers. Leah Sinago. She belted that. Oh my goodness, gave me chills. Yeah. You know, Tony Award-winning performer from Miss Saigon on Broadway. Anika Nani Rose has performed in Oscar-nominated Dreamgirls. And to get up there and be in the same room as these legends now singing, it just gave me chills. And how about that finale? The how finale? about when they brought all four of them out? one by one, each one singing a, yet another song, and then all four singing together on stage together. What a moment. The what crowd a, just erupted. What an unbelievable yeah. moment. The crowd erupted, standing ovation, and it was well-deserved. And that was the beginning of the show. Exactly. That was the beginning of the show. This was one of the very first events. Yeah, well, and this that was the beginning of the legends. Yeah. So those are the first five. I felt bad for the people following them. Yeah. But let's not forget that there was also some accolades to some of the legends who weren't with us anymore. Notably, Jim Henson got his Disney Legend Award. Well, that's actually what I wanted to say. So kind of following up from those people singing, I thought, how are they going to top this? Right. I, I'm like, why didn't they leave that to the very end to make that the big finale? Well, I actually really liked what they did because, Wayne, as you were saying, there was Jim Henson yet to come. There was Guy Williams, who played Zorro. There was Barton Bo Boyd, Regis Philbin. But I was focusing on these these people that are not with us anymore that got these posthumous legends honors. And you had their family members getting up there and accepting the award on their behalf and talking about what it meant to their fathers, right. their grandfathers, the gentleman their husband. That, that 
was in merchandising. Art and yes. Little Boy. Yes, yes. I mean, he was, he, what did they say? He bled Disney. Basically. He bled Disney. So if you looked at a microscope at his blood, think, you would yeah, see a Mickey. Yeah, they said it was much nicer than that, but yeah. yes. Yeah. Ray Watson, who was the architect for Disney and did so many of the early things for Walt and, and for the construction and development of Disney World. So it was very touching for me to see these family members getting up there and accepting the awards and really expressing to us, the Disney fans, what it meant to them. So that was that was a real highlight. What did you think of Jim Henson's induction? That was amazing. That was just wonderful. And, of course, everyone's always going to react to anything Muppets, and especially with the anticipation of what's coming out shortly in the films. But to see yet another example of the recognition, and then they ran that wonderful little uh, strip behind uh, on, on the display boards about Jim in his early days and, and some of the creations that... Uh, he was able to work up through in in developing the whole series. Uh, it was it was quite quite wonderful. So I think we all agree, Disney Legends that was a hit. Very definitely. Yeah, that was that was hard to top. And and set the bar pretty good. Set the expectations pretty high for the remainder of the of the expo. And I think D twenty three has a habit of that. They start strong and then agreed. Keep yeah they they never end up meeting the rest meeting that bar the rest of the time. So let's let's talk about that. So the, the next the next big event that was on my schedule was the uh, the Disney Parks and Resorts presentation in the arena. What did you all think about it? Oh, a lot of stuff we've already heard. I think this was one of the things that especially in the previous expo back in 09 this was where we really expected to hear the next major announcement, the next big surprise, the thing that was just going to make everybody literally dance in the aisles. And we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we heard they're going to bring the Fantasy Fair to the Carnation stage in Disneyland. And thank you for coming, and that was about it. And the crowd erupted. <laughs> to leave. Yes, exactly. This was, I don't know about you guys, this was kind of a disappointment. It was a huge disappointment. I, I, I mean, if you're doing an expo for your biggest Disney fans, throw us some. Okay, so what we heard about in the Disney Parks and Resorts presentation, they talked about the... Fantasyland expansion at Walt Disney World, which was one of the big announcements in the 2009 right. Expo. We right. got a little nugget of more information. There's going to be a Lumiere audio animatronic. Which looks in, wonderful. It looks, looks wonderful. great. They had a CGI video. They actually didn't have the animatronic, so it seems like they're still working on that. But Lumiere is going to be in the Be Our Guest restaurant. Looks like it's going to be another one of those living character initiatives, like Remy that you have in mm -hmm. Chefs de France. They we have. saw a video of the mine train, the exactly. mine train. But again, we've known all this stuff. It's it's come out over the over the time since the announcement. We did get a little more insight. We saw a little more recreations and pre-visualization footage and a lot more detail. And to be to be fair, a good deal of this presentation did revolve around the new Fantasyland, mm -hmm. and that was fun, to be sure. That was fun, albeit we've kind of already known this. It wasn't the big new announcement. I think everybody was waiting to hear 
a little bit more about Hong Kong, a little bit more about Shanghai, and we got snippets. And they talked about Shanghai, and they talked about the castle in Shanghai, and there were some nuggets in there saying there's going to be a, the first castle that has a ride going through it, which looked very cool. Looks really fun. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see it when it opens. It's got a long way to go. They talked about Alani. They had some Hawaiian uh, dancers and musicians playing. I was disappointed Joe Rohde wasn't here, though. Understandable, considering how far along that project is. Um, at least he did all of these. I was glad they at least recorded some footage that specifically addressed the D23 audience. I thought that was... That was a very good touch and made us at least feel like this wasn't canned for the media or for any other presentation. It was specifically for the D23 Expo crowd. That, that was good. They shifted gears. They talked about Disney California Adventure expansion. They talked about Buena Vista Street, the red car trolleys. Carthay Circle Theater, the Cars Land expansion, of course. We got a little nugget there about Carthay Circle Theater. They said that Andrew Sutton, who is the creator of Napa Rose Restaurant, is going to do the restaurant inside the Carthay Circle Theater. And that looked really fun. Yeah. So that should be a... Do you think that's going to be a high-end restaurant then? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I agree. If he's doing that? Which I'm not sure that how well that's going to go over inside a theme park. Didn't they try that when the park first opened with Wolfgang Puck? Good point. So I'm hoping they they can do a little something different or something to bring in the crowds now. They had Walt Disney Imagineer Kathy Magnum, who's overseeing the Cars Land project, a Disney California adventure. She showed her vacation slides of traveling down Route 66. Yes. And uh, some of the crazy people that are inspiring... uh, the expansion at Cars Land they ran into, but there wasn't anything new in the Cars Land. That One of the, what I'm thinking, now now that we've seen what this was, I mean, I, I, I freely admit you can't have these huge surprise announcements every couple of years that's just going to blow your fan base away. But that being so, said, they said... D23 has said one of the reasons that they're having this expo every other year is because they want to have big things to announce whenever they have an expo. I agree, absolutely. If we look at the name of the Parks and Resorts Pavilion, the name of it is the Carousel of Projects, and that's exactly what this show was. It wasn't specifically new announcements. It was almost a review of ongoing projects that are happening right now and a little more behind the scenes. He's giving us some more details. I agree. I'll say one thing. Um, Bob Iger kind of phoned in his opening to the show. And you know what? I don't mind that because Tom Staggs is a great speaker. And I, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, that, that was probably one of the best parts of, of the presentation was Staggs hit it out of the park. He yeah, was he very personable. I love to t- tell us about the little video that they played. Yeah, they had the video. So when Tom Staggs took over as chairman of Disney Parks and Resorts, he made this little spiel that he was 
trying out all the different cast member roles to uh, know what it's like to be a cast member, and they had him performing in the barbershop quartet. They had him on the bridge of one of the cruise line ships. They had him selling turkey legs, sweeping up after the animals. <laughs> it was, it was that was that was amusing. That was the most human that I've seen Tom Staggs. Oftentimes, when I see him speak, he seems a little stiff, and uh, it seemed like he was finally loosening up a little bit. That, that brought him down, I agree. It, it, it was good, and I think all the audience really liked it. Uh, certainly got a good reaction in the, th- in the, in the arena. Definitely. I mean, the, the finale when they handed him the Tinkerbell outfit. <laughs> it was hysterical. I forgot about that, <laughs> of that video. They handed him the Tinkerbell outfit, and he's like, really? i got to put this on? And then you see him flying down the zip line as, as part of Wishes, uh, screaming. That was, that, was a, that was a good moment. Wayne, you mentioned the Disney Parks and Resort Pavilion. So the D23 Expo is not just about uh, these big arena presentations and smaller seminars. There's also the big show floor. So Disney Parks and Resorts has a very large display on the show floor called the Carousel Projects. It's probably a good time to talk about that, too. In that pavilion, they had a lot of what was being talked about in the presentation. So they had the scale model of the Walt Disney World Fantasyland expansion. They had the uh, mock-up of the mine car from the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. They had the ride vehicle from Radiator Springs in the new Cars Land. They had a mock-up of a huge bow of the Disney Fantasy in there. So a lot of those details that were in the Disney Parks and Resorts presentation you could also go to the pavilion and see firsthand, you know, those ride vehicles, those models, those mock-ups. Well, and you could also talk to the people that are working on them. Yeah, that was a real plus. I mean, we were in there, we were in there yesterday, and Kathy Mangum, Kathy Mangum was standing by the Radiator Springs vehicle, and you know, just chatting with people. So they also had Talking Mickey. Did you guys see Talking Mickey in Didn't, the Carousel Project? Didn't see that. I walked, I've been in there about three or four times, and he's not been in there every time, but one time when I went in, they had the Talking Mickey meet-and-greet characters there posing for pictures, interacting with guests. I was going to go back again for a second look just to see the things that were different. They also had, and I will never be able to pronounce this correctly, that automated automatron. That, Destini. That, uh, now that attraction that that presentation wasn't working when I last went down um, but I understand that it is the same technology that reacts automagically to crowds faces reactions and stuff that that's what I want to because to me that was the best thing I saw from parks and resorts was this next generation audio animatronic which is Destini so what this was was a fortune-telling robot that used artificial intelligence to interact with you and produce a fortune. It was mind-blowing. My kids, 10 and 13, they waited for an hour to see this, and they were blown away by it. Did you see the similar unit that they had at the first expo? I did not. I have an idea this is the updated version of that, because that one, while it was working, was pretty amazing. It would actually spot feature facial features in the crowd and react to them. Some pretty amazing technology. 
the the whole parks and resorts pavilion um, obviously was a throwback to the last time's show. I don't think they had quite as many of the new technologies, the new presentations that they had previously. For example, we didn't really see anything from any of the other parks around the world. Um, last time we saw a presentation on Mystic Point. We saw a little bit about some of the other parks. This one definitely concentrated more on Disneyland, Walt Disney World, the cruise ship, etc. Except for Shanghai. Except they had Shanghai. a very, what they called, high-concept model of Shanghai, which in my interpretation is you stick a castle on the middle of a piece of plywood and put some square boxes around it and say, that's your map. Here's, there was nothing. Here's our first cut at yeah. it. Now, was there anything on the new hotel at Walt Disney World, the Art of Animation? Nothing. Nothing. That's coming up soon, isn't it? It, it? It was not mentioned in the presentation. It was not in the pavilion. It's not I mean, we, we did all. get some of that at Destination D in, in Florida in May, but, yeah, there was, that's, it was... Nothing. There was Alani. There was Adventures by Disney, but nothing. Art of Animation. Yeah. And for the finale of that pavilion, I thought it interesting that they actually exited us into a gift shop. Nice. A gift shop, <laughs> and what particularly was the gift shop this time? Mickey's Mi of Glendale. Mickey's of Glendale. They actually brought Mickey's out and sold several, many items actually from the stop uh, shop that was available to the public, which I thought unique. Yeah, that's uh, for those of you who don't know, Mickey's of Glendale is the cast member only shop that is on the Imagineering campus in Glendale. So that pretty much wraps it up for the first day, for Friday. We wanted to go into some detail about the parks and resorts because I think that was one of the things that was most interesting to us. Saturday, the second day of the D23 Expo, the big presentation was from the Walt Disney Studios. People were lining up very, very early in the morning to get into this presentation. I don't want to go into too much detail about the Walt Disney Studios presentation. Um, I was there. Tom was there. Were you there, Wayne? Definitely. Again, in a nutshell, similar to the Parks and Resorts presentation, there wasn't anything new. There, there was, was no new films announced that we hadn't heard of. No well, big bang at all. Vague rep representations of a couple uh, Pixar films that are coming out. That's what I say. Except for Pixar, and they called them the yet-to-be-named film, uh, Pixar film on dinosaurs and the yet-to-be-named Pixar film Voyage Inside the Brain, which I was very excited about. <laughs> Being a neuroscientist, but I'm, I'm a nerd. So, um, but it touches on an issue because that presentation started at 10:30. I was walking over at 9:30 to get into line, and that's with my press badge. They had to uh, check all electronics. There was no photographs, no cell phones, no electronics of any kind in the presentation. When I was walking over at 9:30, they said the arena had reached capacity already. Right. We arrived around 8.30. I was I went uh, with the general public for this presentation. Um, they were lining out, lining up for the arena outside in the lobby. And as you went into the line, you checked your, your cameras and your phones, which is something different than they did in 2009. In 2009, they tried to check that as you were going into the actual arena, and so they caused delays, so they did it as you were getting to the line this time, 
to try to speed the process, but then you have 4,000 Disney fans twitching because they don't have their cell phones for two hours in line. I think I saw some people hitting the floor, too. I think so. I can't tweet. I can't check Facebook. Yeah. What am I going to do? I have to talk, talk to, to a to human. <laughs> I heard the same thing. I heard uh, people, once we got into the arena and we were waiting at least an hour for the show to begin, who were saying they've never talked to people around them so much in their life. So the show, the show was entertaining. There was lots of clips from upcoming movies. There were lots of stars that were there from the movies. Right, who was your favorite? Who was my favorite star? I really liked when um, Sarah Silverstein, Sarah, Silverman. Silverman. Sarah, Sarah Silverman came out. She's going to be in the new animated movie, uh, Wreck-It Ralph. She comes out and says, Hello, D23. This is great. I'm happy to be here. I've always wanted to come to Anaheim and not go to Disneyland. That was a good moment. She just made me laugh. For, for me, um, I was interested in the new prequel to the Monster Inc. called Monster University. They did a little visual clip with um, Billy Crystal, Billy Crystal, and John Goodman. And all of a sudden, Billy Crystal says, "Having a film clip isn't good enough. I think I'll do this one better." And he walks out on stage. That was pretty cool. For me, that was the biggest A-list star that they had on. In the presentation, that was neat. I think so. I, I, Robert Downey Jr. got a good reaction, but he was there so briefly it was kind of wasted. He I was there for the Avengers. Correct. I think they were running out of time at that point and told him to cut it short. I should say the movie that looked most impressive to me, again, I don't want to spend too much time on this, was Pixar's Brave. Yes. I, I've changed my opinion about Brave because the, the trailers that we've been seeing are very, very dark. But the clips that they showed us... There was there, a lot of humor. It was a lot of humor, and, and yeah. And they got some really good voice actors for this one. I think yeah. that's going to really make it a, a, a nice film. Yeah, that looks like it's going to be a great film. But uh, again, so let's let's talk a little bit about kind of the logistics of the expo, because the lines issue has been a big one. It's been very, very difficult to get into presentations and panels. Challenging is the kindest thing that you can say about this. Those of us who have been to trade shows over the years, and especially everyone who went to the expo two years ago, knows that you absolutely cannot see everything. Even if you timeline it out, you can't go from presentation to presentation. Even with that knowledge, it was unbelievably challenging to make any of the presentations. Well, I think going back to Friday, we talked about the two different presentations, the Walt Parks and Resorts and the Disney Legends. There were ten other presentations that we there was no way we could get to. Right. The arena shows were all running long. That impacted some of the other presentations after that. But what I was finding, and then finally had to ask one of the show staff exactly how this is, how is this working? They were allowing standby queues to begin forming for the next show after the current show was being started. What this meant to some of the more popular presentations was even if you arrived well in advance of the show start time, you came to find not only had the regular queue line filled up, but the supporting standby queue line was also closed. Oh. Saturday, this was particularly important. They had people lining up for the 6.30 Imagineers show right after the arena show closed at around 2.30 in the afternoon. 
that's a three or a four hour wait for one presentation. Yeah. That's starting to sound like a theme park queue line. It's, it's ridiculous. And we, we were able to get into the Imagineering panels. Marty Sklar had a panel of Imagineering legends, including Bob Gerd, Don Iwerks, Alice Davis, Kim Irvine, and I'm missing someone, um, Orlando Ferrante. And it was great. It was a good presentation. It, you know, it was nice to hear their stories, kind of similar to other types of those presentations that we've seen. But if I had to wait for two or three hours in that line, I don't know that it was necessarily worth it. One of the bigger show events uh, was the nighttime events. Um, Dick Van Dyke was performing on Friday evening, and this was one of the things I was particularly interested in I was attending. incredibly excited about that. The trivia contest wound up being the show that they performed in that theater prior to the Dick Van Dyke show, and there was a considerable gap. It wasn't like they were back-to-back. There was a nice long time period between the shows. However, folks were lining up for that well in advance of the end of the trivia show. They went ahead and started a standby line. The trivia show ran long. They had to clear the arena. They had to reset the arena and the stage, do a sound check. They didn't even start loading in Dick Van Dyke for 45 minutes after showtime start. The reason I'm saying this is the people that I feel sorry for the most, and this is what I think the expo has to improve on, is the folks that were in the standby line who waited two hours and then couldn't get in. Yeah. I didn't even try to go to the Dick Van Dyke show. I had a meeting from uh, that ended at 7 o'clock, and when I saw how people were lining up for these shows, I said, well, I have a meeting at 7 o'clock. Dick Van Dyke's supposed to start at 8.15. There's no way I'm going to get into that show. And you wouldn't have. That, that whole line was done almost at 5 o'clock that day. Only those of us who were in the standby line didn't really know that until way after the fact. I also heard, and this may be verging on rumor, but for the Walt Disney Studios presentation in the arena where people were lining up outside before the, the doors opened, D23 members get first access to seating. By the time all the D23 members got in, the arena was full. So anybody that bought seats or bought a ticket not as a D23 member, and Saturday was sold out, the entire expo was sold out, they weren't going to that arena show. Oh, well, yeah, because the uh, that started at, what, 10.30? Yes. General public couldn't get in until 10 o'clock. There was no way they were going to get into that And they, they announced at 9.30 that the arena was full. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. And it spilled the, the, queue, the, the line sizes and the crowd situation spilled over into other areas as well. For example, let's, let's just mention food service. Food service for a, a trade show or a convention of this size is always going to be an issue. It seems particularly bad during this one. Um, I was seeing lines typically of 45 minutes to an hour to get very simple food items. You had to really time when you visited the food service areas. I think, Tom, you had a pretty good experience going early. I, well, and all I did was grab a, a pretzel, so I didn't... I just 
grab one uh, quick pretzel. I had breakfast at my hotel on Saturday. Yeah. I didn't even attempt yeah. to eat oh, yeah, the rest of the day. Friday was bad. I, we try, We even tried to run over to the Hilton because they have a food court there, and it was packed in there, too. And and that was my experience as well. Friday was so bad, I was an hour in line to get a very simple lunch and decided Saturday I wasn't even going to attempt it and brought stuff in, carried it with me for most of the day and just found a little corner to have lunch. These are the kinds of things I think they really need to start thinking about is the enthusiasm that people have for all of these presentations they're going to have to make it bigger. This intimate theater thing is really great. Or limit ticket size. Or severely limit ticket size, which I th th then you're not addressing, I think, the spirit of what the D23 Expo is all about. Well, D23 is making a lot of money from these tickets, too. I mean. One thing, I don't know if was, you were talking to, Wayne, that I was thinking of is they need to, because they're trying to reach everyone with this expo. They're trying to be, they're trying to be Comic-Con. And they, I think they need to, they have the, the Destination D mm -hmm. event every other year. I think they need to lead these small presentations for Destination D and for Expo have the arena, the arena shows and the convention floor and just not try to get 20,000 people in a thousand seat venue. I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I've, I, been, I've been finding, I've been in these smaller Imagineer presentations that I went to, and I should say contemporary Imagineers, um, I've been finding that the amount of new information that they are allowed to share with the public has been extremely limited. We all just came from the Disney Cruise Line Imagineer presentation, Imagineering the Dream and the Fantasy. And we're waiting with bated breath to get some nuggets of what's coming out with the fantasy. Right. It wasn't until the last ten minutes of that presentation that they even touched on the fantasy. Everything else was all things that we had heard about already from the dream. They're showing all their marketing photos from the dream. Again, that's fine for the general public that, that hasn't really paid attention, but... For the people that are on our website, the people that are listening to our podcast, they know all that stuff already about the dream. Well, and I think going back to the, all the presentations and the lines, Wayne and I were just chatting that they're short of venue this year. Last or short of day, no, short of day, which you would think would increase the number of presentations on a day, and I don't think it did. I think there's fewer presentations. Agreed. Because last last time they had. Uh, Stage 23 and um, Storytellers Theater, both on, on the second level, and now they only have the one, and then upstairs they had the Walt Disney Theater. So they had two smaller presentation areas and then the huge theater where they could do more of the imaginary type stuff and the background type, type stuff and the historical information. So word got out, attendance increased, the size of the show floor decreased, the number of presentations stayed the same, but the number of venues decreased. What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> You're going to have more crowds. And I've been hearing a lot of grumblings from people, too, not being able to well, get Well, especially non-dedicated non Disney fans that aren't used to these kind of events. I mean, you know, if you if you were here last time or if you've been to the Destination D events, you know it's all about waiting in the line to see it somewhere. 
So it, you're, we're used to that. Yes. But somebody who was at Disneyland for the weekend and heard about this and like, oh, let's bring the kids to the expo. Right. They're either either not going to get enough out of it, or they're going to be grumbling, like you said. And they've been pushing this hard in the L.A. area. I've been oh, yeah. here in Southern California for two weeks leading up to the Expo. We went to the El Capitan Theater. They're giving us fans that say D23. They have billboards on the highways for D23 Expo. They have signs all over downtown Disney for the D23 Expo. So they're pushing yeah. this hard. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about the, the presentations, we talked about the lines a little bit. Maybe we could shift gears and talk a little bit about the, the show floor. What have people thought about that? Busy. <laughs> Very busy. Uh, it's, there- it's kind of broken up into different sections. Yeah, we talked about the Parks and Reserves Pavilion, but there also is a what they call Disney Living Pavilion, which is all their licensed merchandise. Oh my goodness, that place was a madhouse. Uh, Mattel, um, was, who's else is in there? The Jack specific stuffed animals, the Vinylmation, yeah, the Nordstrom clothing art. line. The, it's a small world Nordstrom clothing line. Right. Not to mention the Disney store itself had a presence. They did have free cupcakes at one o'clock. That was nice. Thanks. And the, the other part of it is they call it the Collectors Forum, which is uh, independent independent people. Almost, yes. almost anything from <laughs> from ar- artists and and creators of. Unique uh, uh, items and collectibles to other podcasts. And then also on the show floor, we didn't mention there is a significant Disney Channel presence. So yes. Disney Channel is this got bigger this time. The, and, and boy, did they have the crowds. When they brought out the Lemonade Mouth group, when they brought out the Phineas and Ferb group, I've not seen lines around the, the show floor. Uh, on anything that was going on that, down there, and you could tell from the folks standing in line, those were enthusiastic fans. Yeah, so Disney Channel's had a huge presence at this expo, which has no interest to me whatsoever. Back to the collectors for real quick. It's interesting to note there's a booth with Margaret Carey. She's sitting yes. there meeting people, signing autographs. Next to her is the widow of Eddie Carroll that was the voice of Jimmy oh. Cricket. Oh, I didn't it's see like, that. It's like, okay, you, you, these two legends basically you know standing next to each other at the collector's farm and just meeting people and talking and shaking hands taking pictures and just see that's great I actually have not gotten a chance to go into the collector's farm and I'm hoping I can get over there today Um, again there's just been so many with the presentations I have not been able to set foot in there I went over yesterday just because I wanted to get an autograph from Pedro Arrow, so and it didn't take long, 45 minutes, maybe waited. And that was really nice. That, that was really special that the, the A-list Disney stars are doing meet-and-greet autograph signings right there. There was the, uh, there was the Shermans were also on the show floor. There was a whole, what they're calling, the, what D23 is calling their talent roundup. They had Greg and Jeffrey Sherman, who made, the, they were the filmmakers for the boys, and Richard Sherman was there with them as well. They were signing posters, and I was really hoping to get to that, and by the time I got down there, I was told the line was closed, so I did not get the chance to, to meet them in person. There were also a number of demonstrations <laughs> that, uh, that, that were uh, uh, down on the show floor. I understand Tom got to uh, participate in one. <laughs> 
With oh, the, the Disneyland Adventures. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, that presentation. I thought he was talking about the picket line. I thought he was talking about the picket oh, lines. Oh, goodness, yeah, there was there was that too. Oh, you're talking. Oh, d- that kind of demonstrations. Yeah, uh, Disney Interactive has a big presence out there. For one, well, look, there's two parts. Disney Interactive has a big presence. They've got the, they have their Epic Mickey out there and Club Penguin, Club Penguin, and stuff like that. for a video game. But also the um, Microsoft is out there with their new Connect. Xbox, Xbox, uh, Xbox 360 with Connect, uh, Disneyland video game, which is really cool. The Disneyland Adventures. It looks really fun, and unfortunately, this now means I'm going to have to buy yet another game system. Well, what makes the Disneyland Adventures unique? What What looks fun about it? You walk. You can basically walk through Disneyland. Or you could fly through Disneyland. Or you could fly. Well, you, you there's. I, I believe they said there's 20 different rides you can. Experience, and you're not just experiencing the ride; it's or you're not experiencing the ride. You're you're doing an adventure based on the ride. So you go into the Peter Pan ride, and you're flying through Neverland, or you go into Pirates of the Caribbean, and you're sword fighting with pirates. But you could also just for younger kids, you could just walk through Disneyland. You point and you go through Disneyland. You meet up with the characters. You can hug them. You can take a picture with them. You can high five them. And they, re- cool. and they react differently. You you go up to Mickey and you high f- you put your hand up as you as you're gonna high five, and Mickey high fives you. You go up to do that to to Snow White. She won't high five you. She'll play patty cake. Nice. You go up to um, Peter Pan and try to give him a hug. He will fight away and then shake your hand because <laughs> that's what Peter Pan does. Nice. I mean, so it's it's amazing. Nice. Okay, so what's our what's our take home message for the D twenty three Expo for two thousand eleven? It's an amazing show, no question about it. Um, there were there are some disappointments, there are some challenges for viewing it and and just attending the event in general. And, and I don't really think they learned anything from the last expo. Completely agree. Um, I I think moving forward, they definitely got to make some some guest adjustments some improvements in the facility, the presentation, the way that they deal with the crowds. Is it still a must-see? Sorry, i got to say yes. If it were, if were going to happen again next year, yes, I'd probably go. The unfortunate thing is, two years ago, I found a two-day ticket perfectly adequate. This time, a three-day ticket isn't even adequate. Yeah, I, I, I find that I haven't done as much as I did last last time. Completely agree. Um, this is why I'm saying it's it's definitely got some very very good and some very disappointingly poor. Sometimes the poor parts are winning, and and that's disappointing. That's unfortunate. Um, I just hope I hope it gets better. I, I hope they take some lessons here. For me, the Disney Legends presentation, the Disney Legends induction ceremony, is a highlight. Yeah, it's it. It literally gave me chills. It gave me goosebumps, and that's going to be a memory that I'm going to have. I was very glad that I was able to to be there. The rest of it, I was really hoping for that. You know, blow me away, blow my socks off, announcement of what was going to get me excited to come to the parks or look forward to, you know, three years down the road. And I was left with, eh, it wasn't anything. I know Johnny Depp can't make it to every show, but <laughs> it, needed, it needed a few moments like that. It needed that 
stand on your feet and go crazy because this was so wonderful. And you're right, with the exception of the Legend Show, which did have that moment with the four princesses, um, this one's lacking. And that being right in the beginning, you know, on day one you had that moment, and so you expected a moment like that every day, and that was the only one. Yep. Definitely. Well, and I think they did the same thing last year. It was the second day, though. They had the studio's presentation on the second day with Johnny Depp, and Saturday and Sunday were a letdown for everybody because they didn't have any big stars. Well, la- last time, too, you got the Star Wars announcement. You got the um, Cars Land announcement. Yeah, yes, Star Tours announcement, Cars Land, the, the confirmation of the Fantasyland rumor. So... Well, and the DCL announcement, the last announcement was in 2009. Yes, it was. So we'll see if if they learn from this expo, if 2013, which if they're doing it every two years, if if there are less lines and more bang for your buck. But I enjoyed the expo. I'm yeah, glad and, I came. And, and, and you know, if you're a Disney fan who wants to do the the small venue stuff and you know hear from the voices of the Imagineers, do Destination D. You guarantee the seat. It may not be in the front, but you guarantee the seat. They don't oversell the event. And you get all the presentations similar to what is at the expo, but it's just the presentations, and it's really, really cool. That's a really good advice. Well, this has been David Parfit, Senior Correspondent for the Diz Unplugged, with Tom Bell and Wayne Toygo, coming to you from the D23 Expo 2011. And I don't know about you guys, but... I'm going to Disneyland. I'm headed there, too. I was just going to say, let's, let's go ride some rides. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye now. Bye.